the Bible Study Podcast, episode 519. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the kings of Israel and Judah with 1 Samuel 23. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. You may remember we're still in the midst of this story of David and Saul. Saul is king. David is on the run because Saul is trying to kill him because he believes that David is trying to take over. And he claims that David is trying to kill him. 1 Samuel 23, when David was told, look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah and are looting the threshing floors. He inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? The Lord answered him, Go, attack the Philistines and save Keilah. But David's men said to him, Here in Judah we are afraid. How much more, then, if we go to Keilah against the Philistine forces? Once again David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered him, Go down to Keilah, for I am going to give the Philistines into your hand. So David and his men went to Keilah, fought the Philistines, and carried off their livestock. He inflicted heavy losses on the Philistines and saved the people of Keilah. Now Abathar, son of Ahimelech, had brought the ephod down with him when he fled to David at Keilah. Saul was told David had gone to Keilah, and he said, God has delivered him into my hands, for David has imprisoned himself by entering a town with gates and bars. And Saul called up all his forces for battle to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. When David heard that Saul was plotting against him, he said to Abiathar, the priest, bring the ephod. David said, Lord God of Israel, your servant has heard that Saul plans to come to Keilah and destroy the town on account of me. Will the citizens of Keilah surrender him to me? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? Lord God of Israel, tell your servant. And the Lord said he will. Again, David asked, will the citizens of Keilah surrender me and my men to the Saul? And the Lord said, they will. So David and his men, about 600 in number, left Keilah and kept moving from place to place. When Saul was told that David had escaped from Keilah, he did not go there. David stayed in the wilderness strongholds and in the hills of the desert of Ziph. Day after day, Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. While David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Then Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horesh. The Ziphites went up to Saul at Gebeah and said, Is not David hiding among us in the strongholds at Horesh, on the hill of Hakilah, south of Geshemon? Now, your majesty, come down whenever it pleases you to do so, and we will be responsible for giving him into your hands. Saul replied, The Lord bless you for your concern for me. Go and get more information. Find out where David usually goes and who has seen him there. They tell me he is very crafty. Find out about all the hiding places he uses and come back to me with definite information. Then I will go with you. If he is in the area, I will track him down among all the clans of Judah. So they set out and went to Ziph ahead of Saul. Now David and his men were in the desert of Maon, in the Arabah, south of Jeshimon. Saul and his men began the search. When David was told about it, he went down to the rock and stayed in the desert of Maon. When Saul heard this, he went to the desert of Maon and 
pursuit of David. Saul was going along one side of the mountain, and David and his men were on the other side, hurrying to get away from Saul. As Saul and his forces were closing in on David and his men to capture them, a messenger came to Saul, saying, Come quickly, the Philistines are raiding the land. Then Saul broke off his pursuit of David and went to meet the Philistines. That is why the place is called Salah Hamalakoth. And David went up from there and lived in the strongholds of En Gedi. And just so you know, Salah Hamalakoth means the rock of parting. So David and Saul have this chase that's going on that is going all over the countryside here. A couple interesting things to notice. One is that David keeps looking to God for, should I do this or should I do that or what's going to happen? Uh, which is seems like a pretty good thing to do, but he's getting very more definitive answers. Now he's using the ephod. And in this case, what seems to be going on is that he's asking the priest here, who has he bring the ephod? And the ephod was part of the garment of the priest, and we believe the breastplate, and that it probably contained the Urim and the Thunim. And these are flat marked stones that are used in some way, kind of like a magic eight ball, to ask questions of God. And so you obviously are doing this with prayer, asking God to guide this. And so he is asking very specific questions. He is not hearing the voice of God, but he's asking direct kind of yes or no questions. And then they're casting these dice in some fashion to know what God wants. But but David is, before he does something, is seeking to see what God wants him to do, which is good, which is a good thing in general, whether you do it in that fashion or in some other fashion. David is trying to do what God wants, which is good to remember, especially as we get in the next part of the story. The other interesting thing with this whole story is that we see that while Saul can't find David, apparently Jonathan doesn't have any trouble finding him at all. Jonathan finds him and goes and talks to him and says, you know, I understand you're going to become king. And as far as we can tell, it doesn't bother Jonathan that God has chosen David as king. And I think the reason for that is God has chosen David as king. And and Jonathan understands that. He doesn't feel like if David's king that he has to die or that, you know, this town isn't big enough for both of us or whatever. He believes that if God wants David to be king, that David will be king. He says, even my father knows that. He probably understands the reason he can't find David is that God has not delivered him, that God is apparently thwarting him, including it seems at the end of this story with just when he's about to find David, he gets distracted because he gets invaded. So, David is seeking God. Saul is being thwarted by God. And then I told you that story so I told you this, and this is chapter 24. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 300 able young men from all of Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe, and he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went away. Then David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, My lord the king, 
When Saul looked behind him, David bowed and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He said to Saul, Why do you listen when men say David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay my hand on my Lord, because he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but I did not kill you. See that there is nothing in my hand to indicate that I am guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me, but my hand will not touch you. As the saying goes, from evildoers come evil deeds, so my hand will not touch you. Against whom has the king of Israel come out? Who are you pursuing? A dead dog, a flea? May the Lord be our judge and decide between us. May he consider my cause and uphold it. May he vindicate me by delivering me from your hand. When David finished saying this, Saul asked, Is that your voice, David, my son? And he wept aloud. You are more righteous than I, he said. You have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. You have just now told me about the good you did to me. The Lord delivered me into your hands, but you did not kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him get away unharmed? May the Lord reward you well for the way you treated me today. I know that you will surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will not kill off my descendants or wipe out my name from my father's family. So David gave his oath to Saul. Then Saul returned home. But David and his men went up to the stronghold. So this is one of the stories that I really want to get to here because we talked last week about the fact that Saul kept telling people that David was trying to kill him. And David establishes with certainty at this point that he is not trying to kill Saul. He is given the chance to kill Saul. He feels guilty that he even harmed Saul's robe. Because when he looks at Saul, he sees not only his father-in-law, but the king who is anointed by God. And David won't lift his hand against him. Oddly enough, this is not the only time this will happen. This is going to happen again here soon. So it's not that Saul changes his mind forever. Because remember, that's one of the things we've seen with Saul is that Saul is a little too changeable. Saul is a little too capricious. He's the one who gets angry and throws his spear at David and also at his son. He does things that he will later regret. And so this doesn't end things once and for all, but at least for now, Saul is chastened and Saul goes home. David doesn't go home with him because he doesn't trust him that much. But David is doing what God wants, and he does not believe that God wants him to do harm to Saul. One of the things that struck me about these two chapters when you put them together is, in the first one, David's not sure what to do, and so he calls the priest, and he uses the Urim and the Thunim, and he's basically flipping a coin. He's not sure what to do. Lord, should I go down, or should I not go down? But notice that in the second chapter... He doesn't flip a coin whether he should kill Saul or not. He doesn't do that because he knows it's wrong. And I wonder if there's something in here with don't do the wrong thing, do the right thing when you know it, and if you don't, pray about it and flip a coin. I don't know if that's the great way to live or not, but I think there may be something to that about not worrying about it too much and praying that God will work through 
showing us what to do in those in-betweens and just getting the big ones right, getting the don't do the wrong thing and do the right thing right. I'm not sure about that, but something to think about. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hardworking pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com.